Hey there, you're listening to Harvest Christian Fellowship's online podcast. We're so glad you've tuned in. We are located in Cornwall, Ontario, and would love it if you would visit us sometime at 847 York Street. We are a relational church with a heart for the harvest. We hope this message encourages and blesses you today. Now get ready, open your heart. You're about to hear a word from God. Holy Spirit, part five. I want to talk to you this morning about this thing called speaking in tongues. And uh, consider it, look at it, try to understand it. Uh, and uh, it can be a little bit different. It can be even a little weird. Uh, we appreciate that. We understand that. And if it's new to you, we want to bring some explanation to that this morning, as well as if it's something that needs to be kind of lubricated in your life and re, uh, kind of re, uh, revitalized, I'm hoping that that will be uh, the case as well. So last time we looked at uh, the, the Scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses baptized in the cloud, baptized in the sea. Now, all these things happen to them as examples. And at the end of that verse, um, a little farther down, verse 11, it was written for our admonition or for our teaching, for us to understand those of us here who in the ends of the age have come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today uh, for sending Jesus. Jesus, for sending the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, that you're here today. We want to understand who you are. We want to interact with you in a more informed way that we can be all that we're called to be at the end of the age, these days that a great harvest is being harvested for your name and your glory, people coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We're a part of that today in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. So we looked at 13 points about identifying with the cloud uh, uh, the Old Testament expression of this baptism. And it's interesting that Paul uses the word baptism. Why baptism? Why would he use the word baptism in the cloud and then it's inferred baptism in Moses and baptism into the sea? And I shared with you that the word baptism can really be thought of as identify with, to identify completely. And so when we are water baptized, and it's like the Red Sea, they left Egypt, they left sin, they left bondage, came into freedom that God provided, in the same way as we come into salvation through Jesus Christ, and we have water baptism. We just had it a couple of weeks ago, and we'll have it again for those uh, who are choosing to follow Jesus. And Jesus uh, gave us this command that we are to be water baptized we're to identify, listen now, identify with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. His death, he died for us, for you and me, that we wouldn't have to die. Uh, we, our sins are buried. They're forgotten about. The old man is buried, and we rise up in newness of life in uh, God's Holy Spirit in us. And so we identify with that as Christ followers. That, that's our identity. Say identity. Try again. I'm going to push your second service. Come on. I know uh, it, is, it is warm out there, but it is cold in here. It is awesome, isn't it? Come on. We're not going anywhere. Uh, track with me this morning. And uh, as, we, as we consider these things, um, I think uh, as we ask the question, why would I want to speak in tongues? Why would I want to do this? Uh, this morning, I'm hoping by the end of the service, you'll be going, sign me up. I want to experience this great great thing, this great gift that God has given us. And so we identify 
with or are baptized in uh, to the Red Sea or in water baptism. Uh, baptism into Moses, baptism in the cloud. So we looked at the 13 points of our baptism, our, our identification with the cloud in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, and how we can identify with uh, or find our identity with the Holy Spirit as Christ followers. And this morning, I want to continue that and see that uh, as we consider this, as the uh, New Testament believers experienced or identified with the Holy Spirit, they had an experience where they spoke in other tongues. And we want to look at that this morning because it's a part of our Christian life as well. And uh, let's look at some scriptures uh, concerning this this morning. So but the Bible says in Acts 1.5, um, John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And I give you that verse because Paul uses this word baptism to talk about something that happened in the Old Testament so that we could understand the admonition. It's for us. And then Jesus says, this experience with the Holy Spirit that you're about to have, I'm going to call that baptism too. You're going to identify with the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, Jesus told his disciples, he said, what comes next is very important. I'm sending what the Father promised you, so stay in the city until you are equipped with power from on high. Interesting that Acts, I believe it's 15, tells us that about 580 people were around Jesus in the 40 days that he spent after his resurrection talking to his disciples. And he told all of those disciples to wait in the upper room until they were clothed, endued with power. We've talked about that. Until they had this experience with the Holy Spirit. We we're talking about that. And it resulted, as we're going to read, with this language that God would give them that we call speaking in tongues. Well, he said, I want you to wait. Before you go out of my mandate, we quote the mandate. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. But Jesus said, wait a minute. Before you do that, say before. Before you do that, go to Jerusalem and get this experience of the Holy Spirit. You must receive this experience. And 580, 120, so the difference of the number of people, obviously there were many, many people who made the decision, we don't need this. We're going out there and we're going to start the mandate without, without waiting. We're not going to wait. We're so excited to get busy for Jesus, we're just going to get out there and do it. And yet he said, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to receive all of the equipment that I have for you. And then the scriptures don't focus on the ones who uh, went their way, who were not there, but on the 120, and we see the birthing of the New Testament church. This is a New Testament church phenomenon that's normal, ordinary. It's part of what is to be. And then we see the church begin to grow in great power. We see it begin to multiply incredibly as a result of that church receiving power from on high. What comes next is very important. I want you to wait for it. So when we talk about speaking in tongues and, uh, and, and asking, you know, what, what is that? Why do I need that? Um, I want to define it this morning simply as a supernatural ability to speak in a language that we don't know or that we've ever learned. A language, just an ability to start speaking out a language that we don't know and that we've never learned. Uh, by the end of, the, of this talk with you today. I'm hoping that you will have a desire, if you don't already, if you haven't had this experience yet, that you will want this experience. You'll see its importance. You'll see that God has given it to you. Uh, and it's for everyone. 
And at our Momentum Prayer in uh, two weeks, a uh, week from Tuesday, we're going to dedicate uh, much of the prayer meeting for anyone who wants to receive. We're going to lay hands on and pray for and believe God to baptize in the Holy Spirit uh, here in the upper room uh, anyone that would wish to experience that. All right? So put that on your calendar, especially as you listen this morning and say, that's, that's for me. All right, I want to bring some clarity uh, to this topic because there is so much out there in terms of teaching about this topic. If you have a Catholic renewal background, it's kind of, it's normal to you. You've heard it and understand it. And, but you may have come from a background where it's actually been taught, this, mm, this is not, you shouldn't do this today. This was a time for the first century church, but not for us. And in fact, some would go as far as to say, it's demonic. Don't, don't open yourself up to that. That's demons. And, uh, and to which we would, we would really strongly disagree and say, no, 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 we don't believe that. We're going to present something different uh, as we see from the Scriptures. Now, I bring that up this morning because I just recognize in a group of this size that there would be some that would approach this topic wondering, or maybe you're new uh, to the church or just new to the things of God, and, and, uh, and it just sounds strange or it, it seems strange or you have a background where you were told it was strange, stay away. And I don't want you to be shortchanged in any way. And I'm going to present this morning um, just from a perspective that the Scriptures came, were written from the perspective that this is for everyone, say everyone, and, and it is for you. And there is great benefit for, and, and to answer the question, why would I want to speak in tongues? Well, I'm going to share that with you. And, and the reason I just pause and kind of bring this kind of little bit of a, a, um, a context is that there, those that would teach or preach contrary to what I'm, what I'm sharing, uh, and we would, we would call them cessationists, people who have a, a, most typically a Reformed theology, and they believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit stopped in the first century. Um, there are some... Uh, John MacArthur, I would just say that name, not, to, not any more than just to reference it. He strongly and publicly comes against the charismata uh, expression. Uh, when I say that, I mean the charismatic, uh, the charismatic meeting gifts of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, and, and speaks against it very publicly and has quite a, a following of people who would concur and quote the Scriptures and, and say to their charismatic or Pentecostal friends, no, 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 that's not for me, and it shouldn't be for you either. Now, I reference that because they teach these things, now listen, from a reactionary perspective or, or a perspective of already having decided not for today. Not for today. Well, there's no Scripture that tells us it's not for today. A Scripture that's often quoted would be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that tongues have ceased. Well, it lists about five things about the coming of the end of the age, and it predicts a ceasing or a stopping of things, but in the list, they say, oh, see, tongues has ceased. But it says knowledge, prophecy, and it lists a bunch of things, and those things have not ceased. They'll talk about when the perfect has come. We don't need this anymore. And the perfect is quoted as being the Bible. The Bible is perfect. We have the Bible. Can I tell you that the perfect... Capital P, perfect that is to come, is Jesus Christ himself that will come in power in the clouds one day, and we're waiting for his coming. But until he comes, we need everything that's in the New Testament. We need all the equipment to get done until that glorious day, and that's the perfect that's coming. Now, 
if you write from a perspective of deciding before you start, follow me, you decided before we even start, no. And there's been generations of deciding before we even consider this, no. Then it's very hard to see it in the scriptures. But instead, and I'm asking you, if that's kind of been your background, just, I'm just asking you, trust the Holy Spirit and step back a little bit and say, well, what if it is for today? What if it is for me? What if this is a gift from God? And if you start there and look at the scriptures, I guarantee that you'll see in a different light. And I want to begin to demonstrate that uh, as, we, as we go here this morning. Paul says this, therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to the unbelievers. So he starts the scripture by saying, so, so the, the purpose of tongues is so that the unbeliever will have a signpost that points to Jesus, and they'll go, oh, that's really cool. And so that I, I get it, I understand, I want to follow Jesus. Therefore, if the whole church comes, there's a bunch of scriptures in between here, and he says, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, that must be good because he just said that'll be a sign for the unbeliever. And there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? Well, there's a major contradiction here, seemingly. And what happens is that as people are teaching about this, you can pull sections of what's being said. But I want to point out, I'm going to show you a few more, that just within a couple of verses, there seems to be a definite contradiction. One is saying it's for the unbeliever. And then in the next breath, he says, but it's not. It's for the unbeliever, but it's not. In fact, it'll push them away. It'll draw them. It'll push them away. Well, Paul, make up your mind. Which is it? Another scripture uh, that's quoted often as we look at this topic. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. And and what's being often talked about as we quote this scripture is that, um, you know, there's no sense in doing this because no one understands you anyway. And uh, so why do you do this? But, but, But look now, it says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. Wait a minute, Paul. You know the scriptures. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, tells us that the 120 uh, prayed and there was a sound in heaven, or excuse me, there was a sound in the upper room that they heard. They heard their own human languages. They were gathered from all over the world, had come to Jerusalem, and they were amazed that they could hear their languages. So, whoa, whoa, stop. Because, Paul, that is to men. Tongues is to men. It's not to God because the men heard. Which is it? Are tongues for men or are they for God? Which is it? Hmm. Anybody confused yet? Good, good. Confused? Good. I want you to be confused and we're going to reset this. Paul says this, I wish you all spoke in tongues. That's his desire as the apostle, uh, uh, as he's writing, as he's setting up the churches. He goes, that's my desire. I want everybody to do this. Everybody. I want everybody. Say everybody. That's his desire. Why would he express his desire if it wasn't for everybody? And then he goes on to say, uh, do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And if we had time in more of a classroom setting this morning, I would uh, unpack some of these verses and not just kind of give you the highlights. And I would take the time if we had more weeks to do this. We're already in week five, so I hope you can appreciate that we can't go as deep as we would go in a classroom setting or a Bible college setting. Uh, but we can get the highlights and get, get this and understand this. And so in 1 Corinthians 12.30, he's teaching uh, that uh, it's a rhetorical question 
And do all have gifts of healing? The answer is no. Do all speak with tongues? No. And do all interpret? No. Well, then why did he say, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but then said, not everybody will speak in tongues? Is Paul confused? We hope he's not confused, but there seems to be today tongue confusion. And the confusion comes because if you start from it's no, then you can grab some of these verses and say, see, it's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. It's not for us. Let's not even bother. But if you start from, wait a minute, I want to understand this. What is Paul saying? Is Paul confused? No, he's not. What if he's talking about different things when he uses one word called speaking in tongues? What, are, what if there is an application that it's a sign to the believer? What if there's an application that it, excuse me, a sign to the unbeliever? What if there's another kind of tongue that pushes the unbeliever away? What if it's for everybody, but there are aspects of it that's not for everybody? What if we're talking about different things? You see, if we come to the Scriptures and understand Paul had an understanding, Acts has already happened. He's writing to the Corinthian church, bringing some correction. They already had an understanding on the topic. They already understood that when he said speaking in tongues, he was talking about, and you have to look at the context, and we're going to do that. And in the context, it begins to make sense that, oh, this kind, that kind, this kind, that application. And at the end he says, don't forbid tongues, but all things must be done decently and in order. If it's decently in order, then everything has its place, yeah? Say, everything has its place. And in the house of God, everything has its place. And then as we begin to look at the Scriptures, we go, oh! And I'm hoping that for some of you, that oh will happen this morning as we understand. To, make, uh, to, to probably oversimplify this, I want to, uh, first of all, tell you that as Paul's teaching, he understood that there are two main divisions of applications of the use of speaking in tongues. One was a public, a public where uh, in, a, in a meeting like today, uh, it would be publicly happening. And then there is an aspect where it is private between you and the Lord, part of your life with, with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to focus on the private tongues today, but I do want to give at least reference to the public tongues so that you know uh, what fits there and what's happening. And when I say public, uh, I mean that when you would draw attention to and that tongue becomes the main deal of what's happening in that moment. We, uh, uh, in the days ahead, uh, won't have times where I might say to the church, let's just everybody pray in your prayer language. Let's just do that right now. I've done that in the past. But as I even am understanding afresh, and I'm giving myself to the study of the Scripture, I realize, oops, I, I am doing something that is contrary to what, what Paul is teaching. Because we have unbelievers and the uninformed. Unbelievers don't know Jesus. Uninformed, they didn't get this, this teaching. And they come in, and if I say, okay, everybody, let's just pray in our prayer language right now, and, you know, that begins to happen, people are going to go, just what Paul said, that's weird, you're drunk, I'm out of here. Right? But once you're informed, oh, you know, I get, I, I, it's a little weird, but I, but I get it, I get it. So that's why... In our momentum meeting, which is, I would say, a believer's meeting, probably an unbeliever's not going to come to a believer's meeting or a prayer meeting where everybody's a believer. And we're, we cut loose. But in a meeting like this, we're probably, so that's what 
when I say private, public, public, but, but, as you're going to see in our private, in our worship, it'll spill over a little bit. And you might hear, overhear somebody going, what, what are they saying next to me? You, you might hear that in a, in, a, in a service. And that doesn't mean it's wrong, because it's really something privately happening. It's not someone in a microphone or something we're all doing. But we could, because all things can be done decently and in order. So Paul said, look, first of all, you need to understand there are public tongues. There are tongues for public use. And one is the sign to the unbeliever. And that happened on the day of Pentecost. And someone heard a language that was their mother tongue, and they went, oh, my goodness, how do you know my language? Now, this doesn't happen uh, very often uh, in these days because of a global, kind of a global world and, and translations and, and so many things going on. But I, I, I've never experienced it, heard about it in a service where I've been in, but I have friends that have been in a service where stories told that went something like this. They're in the back row. And uh, it's in a worship time, and they just, they were, they were expressing their private time with the Lord using their, their we call it a prayer language, worship language, our love language, you're going to see in a moment, our language that happens when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's a wonderful gift. And they were utilizing one aspect of it and uh, thinking, thinking they were talking to God. And the person in front during the greeting time turned around, they turned around, they faced each other, and they said, when have you ever been in my village? And uh, it was a multicultural, multi-ethnic church in the United States. And he says, what are you talking about? He said, well, I'm from such and such a place and such and such a continent. And um, the dialects change each village. And you were speaking my childhood village's dialect. How, when have you ever been there? Goes, I, I, I don't, sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, the Christian's going, this is weird. <laughs> and uh, he goes, then he clued in. He goes, I'm speaking in tongues. He goes, what did I say? What did I say? What did I say? <laughs> said, you were telling me about all of the things, wonderful things that God has in store for me and for my family. And, and that unbeliever, it was a sign that how could this have happened except God was a part of it. And so these things happen. They happen on the day of Pentecost. They happen today, but not regularly, not something that we see often, but that would be the context when Paul is bringing some, some understanding, it could be a sign to an unbeliever. That would be the application. The other applications of tongues, no. But that particular application, yes. That could be a public use where somebody, the unbeliever would go, yes, I understand what you're saying. The other is the gift of tongues, and I'm not going to talk about that today because we will go through the gifts of the Spirit as well as the gifts in Romans because we all need to know our gifting that God has given us and function in it and be as powerful as God wants us to be in this day as we are sharing the gospel with those around us. The gift of tongues needs an interpretation because the gift of tongues, which not everybody has, but those who, who have been given the gift of tongues, it's a, not a human language. We sometimes refer to a heavenly language or a language not of this earth that needs to be interpreted for people to understand. And we'll talk about that when we talk about um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk for a few moments about the use of private tongues, private tongues, uh, that when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are given the ability by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit gave them utterance or gave them words. And those words are yours to use now for the rest of of your Christian walk. And there are applications according to what Paul teaches us, and all things can be done decently in order. And first of all, number one, uh, it becomes the language of love. The language of love. Say language of love. 
Oh, the language of love. Listen, my wife and I, when we get together and we're connecting one-on-one and we're, we're alone, um, our language changes. Uh, I raise my voice. My voice might get a little higher. Hey, babe, how are you? And, and she may respond. And, and you have terms of endearment. And uh, there's things that we talk about when we're alone and we're connecting um, that, uh, one, we wouldn't talk about in front of other people, or at least we shouldn't. And we begin to share our hearts. We begin to open our hearts to one another and we share intimately. There's a language in which we speak to each other, husband and wife, that just we wouldn't, we wouldn't share with others, or at least we shouldn't. Uh, that, that is reserved, that intimate expression of communication. If you go to a, 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 a kind of a, a marital enhancement weekend or you take a conference, I, I guarantee you, somewhere in that conference, they are going to tell you that as husbands and wives, you need to do what better together? You need to communicate. And God has given us a language of love as we begin to pray in or speak in this other language, this language that comes upon us uh, supernaturally, but we can use at our will anytime once we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we're given the language. One of the applications is the language of prayer, and I call it the language of love. An old hymn writer uh, once wrote, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. You see, something happens sometimes when we're, we just run out of English words. We just want to express how much we love God. We want to just open our heart up intimately and share with Him how we're feeling. And it just it feels sometimes the English kind of gets in the way. And it's like, if I just had a way to share my heart, and all of a sudden it just erupts out of my heart. And that language that God has given me, that's how I express it. It becomes my language of love, just for me and the Holy Spirit, just for me and the Godhead in that moment as he understands my heart, and I begin to speak the language of love. And speaking the language of love, what is it that we need to do to become more intimate as couples? We need to do what better together? We need to communicate, and I begin to communicate this way with the Lord, I now become more intimate, I'm drawn closer, and I'm given that ability because I've been given the language of love. And it is just such a beautiful thing. Look at, um, uh, look at this scripture from 1 Corinthians in the Message Version. Uh, if you praise him in the private language of tongues, God understands you, but no one else does. For you are sharing intimacies just between you and him. Is that awesome? To have that language. And I can tell you from experience and others here in the room that have had the experience, the, the, the language of love. And if you haven't spoken to the Holy Spirit recently in the language of love, and, and maybe your prayer language, your, your language that God has given you is on the back burner. I'm telling you, get it to the front burner. Come on. You need to do this every day. Communicate and speak to the Lord. Now, Paul teaches us you need to pray with understanding. So sometimes as charismatic Pentecostals, we are kind of guilty of, we just do this and we don't pray with understanding. Paul says, no, you pray in the Spirit, but pray with understanding. But when you pray in the Spirit using your prayer language, it becomes the language of love. We experienced it in our service uh, as Karen begins to sometimes sing over the congregation. And she didn't do it in this service, but in first service, she began to sing a song over first service, and it was in the first person as if God were singing it, because he was. And at that moment, as she was, it was a, 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 a summons from the Lord. She would begin to sing this beautiful love song, I want you to come to me now. I want you to lay everything aside and come and sit with me now. And those of us that were experiencing that, at that moment, 
as you were hearing the song, was like, I'm not just hearing a song. This is, this is deeper than that. This is intimate. I hear God in this. And we call that prophecy or, or out of the heart of God. It's just prophecy is not complicated. It's just something out of God's heart. And so from God's perspective, he's saying, right now, right in this room, right in this intimate moment, come on, come and draw close to me. And my heart responded, yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, I will. I'll do it right now. And as I do that, I shut myself in. The worship music's going. We're not, we don't have song, uh, lyrics to look at. And, and the, the left uh, projector's not bugging out and, and drawing attention and, and doing all of that. And I'm all shut in. And at that moment, that intimate moment, I'm ex- I begin to express and sing. I can begin singing in my love language, in my language of love. And this is a great gift that, uh, that we are given. What is the conclusion then? I pray with the Spirit. I'll pray with understanding. I'll sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with understanding. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Now think about this. We are body, emotion, soul, and a spirit. And we talk to young people as they're dating and as they're getting ready to get married. And if they're Christ followers, we tell them the importance of the person that you bind your life with needs to be a believer. And they go, well, why? Why do I have to marry a believer? Because you are body. You will give yourself to that person. You will give your body to them. Uh, and we you know our sexuality. Your emotions. You will give your emotions and your heart and soul. But you will give them also the highest creation form that is. We've talked about this in days past. You will give them your spirit. And your spirit is now alive because the Holy Spirit lives in you. We were dead, the Bible says, but we became born again. The two born-again people can also give each other their spirit, and you become tied, body, soul, spirit. Ecclesiastes says a three-corded strand is what? Not easily broken. And so when you are not connected in spirit, it's not the intimacy level isn't as high, or at least the potential. But when we are believers and we rely on God and we pray together and we seek God together and we give each other ourselves at a spirit level, that's the highest level of intimacy. You tracking with me? So married couples, that's why we want to do those. We want to pray. We want to do those things. Uh, There are no guarantees, but it is an extra cord. And I'm just pointing out, some of you might be in the room today and your spouse may not be serving the Lord. And you're going, well, then are you saying that I'm missing out? I'm going, no, you, you pray. You pray for your spouse. And can I say this? That the Bible tells you you get a little extra from God until you get a little extra from God. And you pray. And God's intimacy level, the Bible actually says he ups, he ups it until that spouse uh, comes to know Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Or you're here and you're single today and you're going, oh, I want, I want to share my life with somebody. I just want to give myself all those ways. I just can't wait to get married. Paul says, you stay single. I give you, God says, I'll give you a little extra of the intimacy. So you don't need to be married to share this, but if we are, it's very intimate. Are you tracking with me? So if I have a language of love, and it's my spirit, not my mind, although I can pray with my mind, with understanding, not just my emotion, oh God, you just know I need you right now. And he's so awesome as we pour out our emotions. But when you pour out your spirit, your spirit, it's even a more intimate and higher connection with the Lord. Some of you are wanting a deeper connection with the Lord. Can I tell you how to do that? Get baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak the language of love. All right. Well, three people like that. All right. 
The language of strength. The language of strength. When we speak and pray in our private prayer language, wonderful gift that we're given. The language of strength. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That word edify means to build up. And there are times that I just realize that as a Christ follower, I leak. And so do you. <laughs> and there are aspects of our life that draw out of us. And the Bible says that this is a continual filling up. And we, we engage or plug in or find the fueling station. Yes, reading the Word. Yes, spending time with believers. Yes, in prayer. And more specifically, praying in the Spirit. Because there's a prayer of strength that edifies or builds up. The Bible says the wise man builds his house on the rock. Builds. Think of that word. A wise man builds. Putting the two-by-fours in. Putting the sheetrock up. Building. Say building. When you pray in the Spirit, you pray in the language of strength, you are strengthening yourself from the inner man out. And I know there are times that I've just felt like I have nothing left. I begin to pray in the Spirit. And it is just like plugging in. It's like directly connecting the, the, the language of strength. Most beloved, build yourself up in the most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit, the language of strength. There's another language called, the, I'm going to call it the language of war. The language of war. An intercessory aspect where we do warfare in the Spirit uh, by praying uh, in our prayer language or the, the language of war. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end. Why do we have to be watchful? Why does Paul several times tell us to be alert? Why does he talk to us about being on guard? Every time it's a reference that in the kingdom, Jesus is the king, we're in a kingdom. The kingdom is expanding. We need power and authority to expand that kingdom. Where does it come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. Where does it come from? It comes from rejuvenating and building ourselves and speaking the language of war. And so there's a strength for warfare that comes in us as we pray in the Holy Spirit. We pray in our language. Behold, I give you, the Bible says here, Luke 10, 19, Jesus speaking. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Now, obviously, that's not literally going around squishing bugs. It doesn't mean that. It's talking about it's, it's serpents and scorpions and understanding, uh, the, the, you know, that serpent, the devil, uh, the serpents and scorpions, uh, demonic powers that we're up against as Christ followers. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power, say power, the enemy has power, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem so that you can get what? You can get power. I don't want to be the 580 minus, I want to be of the 120 that says, I'm waiting to get this. I want to fulfill the mandate. I want to receive this because this doesn't sound like it's optional. This sounds like this is awesome, and I'd like to have this because it's a language of love, and I'll more intimately connect with the Holy Spirit. It's a language of strength to fill me up on a regular basis. It's a language of war. This is a really, really cool story that I think brings an application to this today. And, and uh, during World War II, uh, the Americans... Uh, against the Japanese were having a difficulty because the Japanese had been trained in American schools. And some of the officers could switch. They could be American in one moment and be Japanese in the other. And the Americans couldn't tell because they looked Japanese. Had you been trained? Do you understand English? So on and so on. So to have a code 
that they could broadcast over radio frequencies what they were going to do and not have that infiltrated was very, very difficult. In fact, the Americans were taking a beating in World War II because of it. And so they needed to find a code, a war code, that could be broadcast that couldn't be broken. And in every kind of warfare throughout history, this has been a challenge uh, for both sides. Well, there was a gentleman uh, by the name of Philip Johnson who was a civil engineer, and he was assigned the task to find the code that could not be infiltrated by the Japanese. And so it was very interesting that Philip Johnson was a missionary's kid. His mom and dad were missionaries to the Navajo Indians. They had brought the gospel. He had grown up in a home that brought the gospel to the Navajo Indians. At that time, the Navajo language, very, very, very difficult language to speak, more, even more difficult to write. Uh, only 30 people could speak, non-Navajo. Only 30 non-Navajo people could speak the Navajo dialect. And so he got the idea that he would gather 29. He got 29 Navajo men. And their task was to come up with the code that would be used over the radio frequencies that ended up by, um, many would say, uh, if you've seen the, the movie Wind Talkers, it, it depicts the story. Many would say that the war turned because of the Navajo uh, code that was used uh, from 1942 to 1968. Now, the war was done long before that, but it was kept a national secret from 42 to 68. The code was never broken. You have a code that can't be broken. Now, I want you to think about it. I was in Cuba, and I was up. Um, I, I hadn't thought of this. To be very honest with you, I hadn't thought about this aspect. And I was with Emilio, who is the gentleman that we work with that has, uh, oversees all the churches in Cuba. And I was at his church building. And um, if, it, when you go there, there's a roof, uh, a roof structure. But it's got rebar sticking out of the roof as if he's going to build another story. It's already about five stories high. It's like a Roman Colosseum. It can seat like a 1,000 people, and uh, it's all concrete kind of benches. And you sit at the top. You've got to kind of look down. They preach right from the center. It's really a cool design, a cool building. And, um, and, but I'm up on the roof with him, and we're overlooking the beautiful bay, and the, you can see the Carib you know, Caribbean Ocean, and, and, and uh, uh, um, it's just all beautiful. But I'm noticing this rebar. And I said, Emilio, do you have plans to build on? And he looked at me, serious a hard tap. He said, the enemy has ears to hear the plans of what God is doing. I don't speak them yet out loud. I thought, huh, huh. There are a time where God declares his will. The Bible says as we speak in tongues, we speak mysteries. It's not mysteries weird, although some charismatic Pentecostals are weird about it. It's not mysteries weird. It's mysteries yet to be revealed. The mysteries of God yet to be revealed. And I know in my own life, and I told you the story about my friend Jay who was, who was out on the oil rigs when I was 18 and I experienced this for the first time and I began to pray and something just rose up in me and I, I began to, to do war in the spirit and I didn't know what it was and I, some of it was groaning. I explained that, some of that to you and I didn't know what was going on and I didn't have to. But the Holy Spirit knew. Holy Spirit was partnering because God partners with us to pray and I was praying for him not even knowing what I should be praying. But it didn't matter because I was wind talking. I was praying to the Holy Spirit. And God was releasing the forces against the forces of darkness. And I didn't have to know because I had a code and the enemy didn't hear it or understand it. Think about it. We have a language of war. Who wouldn't want to use the language of war? 
that the enemy cannot tap into or, 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 or utilize or, or, or mess up our lives, but we can speak in a way that only the Holy Spirit knows as we speak in the language of war. God has strategies uh, yet to be revealed. Things about your children. Think about your family. The enemy has no business knowing, shouldn't know. How do we pray then? I can pray with understanding. I can pray about the needs I know. But the Spirit can pray in a way that's the language of war. And it won't be cracked or broken. How you doing? All right. Language of war. Number four, the language of direction and obedience. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, as I'm talking about, you've maybe experienced this where you have a decision to make, and in the natural, everything looks great. Green lights all over. It's prosperous. It's good. It's wonderful. You begin to pray, and you're just like, I don't know, something doesn't feel right about that. It just doesn't feel right. And it's not NCI Gibbs, Gibbs has got. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. And as you begin to pray in that language, I've had this happen, and those of you that experience, you know what I'm talking about, that even though in the natural, my mind says this is the right decision, but something inside says no. This is what's happening. The Spirit is bearing witness. What does that mean, bear witness? It means the Spirit is going, no, 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 don't do it, no, no, I can see that, no. <laughs> as you begin to pray in the Spirit, and you begin to just the Holy Spirit's given that opportunity as we pray the language of obedience and leading. As we begin, all of a sudden, though my mind is it's true, the mind is unprofitable. I don't know what's happening, but in my spirit, as I'm praying in this language, my language of obedience and direction, the Holy Spirit is saying no. I'm hearing this Holy Spirit say no. And then we come into agreement or witness, agreement, and then all of a sudden I feel peace. Wow, I don't. I just know that's the wrong decision. Honey, how do you feel? I just feel like I got to, we'll say it this way, old school, a check in my spirit. Something says no. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the language of obedience. How often we just want guidance. Remember, identifying with the cloud. The cloud led them, showed them the way. We need the Holy Spirit and the language of obedience. Number five. Okay, number five is, uh, was the language, right, of uh, directional obedience it should have been. And number six, uh, I'll go back to this first, but number six, the language of the supernatural, the language of the supernatural, and I'm going to end on this. Can I have the worship team come? This Jesus, this is the end of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. He summarizes and he says this. He says, this Jesus God has raised up, which we are all witnesses Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and you hear. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And I want to end on this because I think it's the most important. And I did it this way on purpose because those of us that have a Pentecostal or charismatic uh, legacy, we understand it, we enjoy this, I've said to people, look, if you held a gun to my head and said, you can't speak in tongues anymore, I'd say, pull the trigger. I will not serve Jesus without this. I mean, it's just, this is the language of love. This is, I can't be without my language of love. I can't not be intimate with the Lord. My language of strength, I have to be strengthened. It's my language of, of warfare. It's my language of obedience. It's all of these things. No, no, no. I, I, it, I just have come to the conclusion, I can't live without this. 
But as Charismatics and Pentecostals were guilty of not seeing that that's a private use of tongues, and that's a good use, but there's a, there is a larger context usage that we've lost sight of. And that's why I'm doing this whole series. <laughs> because what he preached that day on those who were pricked in their conscience and said, I, what do I, must I do to be born again? He said, the whole reason you're at this point, the whole reason you're at this place is because Jesus died, he rose again, sent the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, and what you're seeing is the manifestation you have heard and seen. You have heard in a language that you can understand, and you have seen a demonstration of the power and the love of God, and that's convinced you to come to the place of saying, I want to serve Jesus. I'm preaching this series because I just believe we have to make more room for the Holy Spirit. Not just for ourselves, although everything I've shared up to number six is awesome and I wouldn't live without it, but it, that is part and parcel with, if we take that and, and leave out number six, the language of the supernatural, the, the, the plugging in of the declaration of the gospel, can the gospel be preached without? Yes. 580, 120 showed up. But we don't read about the churches that were planted by the other people who didn't wait. And I'm not discrediting churches that are being planted today. If the gospel is being preached and people are being born again, I have nothing to say about that. But my focus today and for us and for you and for me is our understanding of the scriptures is it is for today. And imagine if we could do as well as we've done without, how much more if we just said, wait a minute, this is supposed to be operating in my life privately and personally, but as I'm moving in this, the whole reason is to declare the gospel in a way with the supernatural gifts, and we're going to read about and understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, weren't for church services. They were for displaying the gospel in a way that could be seen, heard. You've seen and heard. I think Cornwall and Region needs to see and hear in a language they get and they understand and that's why I'm sharing this today. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to come to our Momentum meeting. You want to experience this. You want to experience all these wonderful languages uh, that God has given. Would you stand? We're going to close our service. We're going to sing this song. And right after we sing, I want to give an opportunity for anyone that might be here this morning. And you've never drawn close to God for the very first time. I started this service by talking about drawing close to God. He'll, he'll draw close to you. And you're here today and you'd say, I'd love to draw close to God, but I, I get, God's mad at me. You need to know I've done some things. He's mad at me. And I don't want to draw close to a God that's mad. Can I tell you a wonderful truth? The Bible says that God put his anger on his son, Jesus. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That was literally the anger of God so it wouldn't be placed on you. How do you approach God for the very first time in an intimate way? by asking him for forgiveness. And you need to know that he'll grant it. He doesn't pause and think about it. Let me just think about that. I don't know. You know that one thing you did? Let me just check with the angels. No, it's immediate. Just like when Charlotte jumped on my lap. Papa, will you read me the book? I'm not saying no. God doesn't say no to anyone. In fact, the Bible said whoever calls on the name of the Lord is saved right in that moment. Now, before this service is closed after this song, if that's you and you'd like to approach God for the very first time and ask his forgiveness and receive his love, I want to give you that opportunity before you go today. Let's sing this to the Lord.